Amen. Wow. That was powerful, huh? Um, we are, you know, we are about at, at church here at the Forsake Church. We're about these moments in which you encounter God and God, God moves and, and he's revealed in your life. And so through music and through worship and through the word, we, we attempt to see that happen. We want those moments to happen. God is always present in the the question becomes, are we willing to go places with God and, and really see him revealed and see lives changed and transformed? Um, and that's what, you know, that's what this is all about. And people, there were tears, you know, and so forth. Um, and one of the things that's already happened in our first service is uh, just a, a powerful testimony of, of God's encountering our lives and us dealing with that um, in a very powerful way. And um, so I want to encourage you to stay by for third service. All right, so y'all going to get double church today, all right? So just hang on. Um, because Jamile Luna is going to share her story, and it goes right in line with our, with our uh, Walls series, and Pastor Jeff and Jamile are going to share, and they did, they did in the first service, and it was powerful, so I want, you to, I want you to get double church today. It's all right. I promise. It's going to be good. Um, it's all right. So hang around if you can um, and see where God has, has powerfully moved in someone's life. And it's a testimony of how God will powerfully move in your life. And uh, we will bring Jamile back for the bridge at another time. But, um, but, but it's a powerful story. So real quick, I've been, I've been gone. I've been uh, out and about quite a bit. The one Sabbath that I was here during the month of April, I actually didn't preach. So I haven't been up here for quite some time even though the one Sabbath I was here. So I have missed the bridge. I miss y'all. I'm glad to be back. I missed you so much. Now, here's the thing. I'm leaving again. Um, <laughs> I was telling a group last night, I was, we were doing a little, little worship vespers kind of thing. I was like, I promise I'm really going to come back to church. I'm a bit of a backslider right now, but, but I'm coming back. Um, I'm, I, leave for, um, I leave for Denmark on Tuesday, so I'm going to ask for your prayers. Going to Denmark to preach for their camp meeting, and um, so I'll be preaching to young adults. I don't speak Danish, so got to speak through a translator. That's always double the work, right? So, so um, going there, and then I get back, I'm back for a Sabbath, so I'll be here one Sabbath in May as well, and then uh, we head off on our Africa mission trip, so we're going to Kenya. We're taking 13 of us to, to Kenya, so that's pretty cool, and uh, we're looking forward to that. So after that, I'll actually be coming to church and preaching, so... I'm really looking forward to being back uh, at the bridge and being a part of everything. Uh, but today we're going to wrap up our series on walls. And um, before we do that, though, pray with me one more time. We'll jump into the word. God, thank you for today. Thank you for Sabbath. Thank you for these moments, these holy moments where we encounter you. And it, 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 you reveal yourself to us and it moves us so deeply. May we continue to have those moments in this place so that lives are transformed, so that we know you better, so we can live in the reality of your love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, take, I want to take you to a passage in Scripture. We're going to read this and then come back to it as we get into it this morning. 
But we're looking at a a story in the book of Jeremiah, one of the major prophets. And I will read to you Jeremiah chapter 38, verses 4, 5, and 6. All right? Jeremiah chapter 38, verses 4, 5, and 6. And uh, I like to kind of handle my my paper Bible here. You can look at it on your device or iPad or whatever or watch it on the screens. But read along with me. Then Then the officials said to the king, this man should be put to death. He is discouraging the soldiers who are left in this city, as well as all the people, by the things he is saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, but their ruin. Verse 5, he is in your hands, King Zedekiah answered. The king can do nothing to oppose you. Verse 6, so they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern of Malkijah, the king's son, which was in the country yard, sorry, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. All right, so hang on to that story. We'll get to it in just a little bit. Now, I want you to think back just a little bit to when you were younger. Um, Perhaps you remember when you were a toddler, but maybe you remember better the single digits. And there was a time in our lives through those years as we were coming along that when we dealt with truth and reality, we probably handled it better then than we do now as adults, right? In other words, children tend to be far more honest and deal with reality and truth better than adults many times, right? Because they, ha- they haven't learned the fine art of lying and pretending. And even when they do try, right, you can see right through it. So some of you are raising kids or you've raised kids and you cooked 12 cookies. But you walked into the kitchen and there were only four cookies left. And you said, hey, and this is the only child. Maybe you only had one kid at that time. It's a toddler, single digits. And you said, hey, and your know, husband's off at work or mom's off at work. Your parent only at home. Hey, who, who ate all the cookies? There's only one kid. You know, the little kid comes in. <laughs> I don't know who ate all the cookies. Isn't that what we say? You know, I don't know. The cookie fairy just came in the house and took all the cookies, right? And even when we're those ages, we can't hide the truth. Kids just exude the truth. They haven't learned how to lie. They haven't learned how to pretend. They can't cover it up. And sometimes you don't even have to ask a kid, right? The kids will just blurt out the truth. They see a person walking and maybe they got, you know, silver hair or something. And the kid will, Daddy, that that woman has blue hair, you know. How many times have your kids embarrassed you, right? Yeah, raise your hands, parents. Be quiet. Don't say anything. And sometimes as adults, we have a hard time handling the truth. My wife works in such in, a, in an industry and in a, in a place there in the hospital where she's dealing with, um, she's dealing with parents who are going through the reality of the potential of losing a child. A very difficult, very, very hard time. And very often the parent doesn't want to deal with the truth and the reality of that situation. And they'll, they'll want to try and pretend and tell the kid, oh, everything is fine when everything really isn't okay and they know it isn't okay. And often in those moments, the child is dealing with truth and reality better than the parent. And the parent will actually, or the child will actually comfort them. It's okay, mommy. It's okay, daddy. 
And it's not any different when we get older and we have to begin to figure out how we're going to handle the truth. How we're going to handle reality. And so the, the story this morning, the book, uh, the story in the book of Jeremiah um, is, is, is about how we, how we begin to deal with the reality of truth and how do we handle truth. Um, and, and, and the story for us this morning is going to be quite profound in that what we realize is that based upon how we deal with the truth, based upon how we handle the truth, will determine how we handle the walls that, that emerge as a re- result of us trying to deal with and to handle the truth of our situation. So here's how, I've, here's how I want to put it to you. Um, what I've realized uh, in thinking about this and looking at the story a little bit this, this morning, there are basically three ways that we tend to handle truth. And I want to kind of describe them for you. Uh, and I'll tag them this way. There are truth tellers, there are truth avoiders, and there are truth walkers, Right? Truth tellers, truth avoiders, and truth walkers. You can think for a moment which one you fit into, but I'm going to give you a little bit more of what I think those, uh, how we describe these, these sorts of people, all right? Truth tellers, they speak up even when it's uncomfortable, all right? They're, they have a pretty good grasp of reality, and they aren't afraid to say anything even when it is uncomfortable. But they don't always live out that truth. They can become rather hypocritical. They talk the talk, but they're not always really good at walking the walk. They can't always live out the truth. They tend to live surrounded by walls of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Because if you talk a big game and you tell the truth, and and a lot of people, you know, kind of have this down. All of us are pretty good critics at times, right? We can point out what's going on and what's wrong and probably get it pretty much right on. But then the question becomes, what do we do with that truth? How do we deal with that truth? How do we walk through the reality of that truth? And if we don't walk through it honestly, then we become hypocrites. We just are truth tellers and we don't necessarily live out the truth. That's one way that we've dealt with the truth. And you, we'll see through all of these ways that we deal with the truth and handle the truth, you and I are probably live in one of these three, living in one of these three ways, or we've lived in one of these three ways or dealing with it right now. The second type of truth handlers are the truth avoiders. <laughs> truth avoiders are really, I mean, they're, they're the really kind of the bottom scrapers, if you ask me. These are people who, and these are times, there are times in which you and I resemble truth avoiders, right? There are difficult things. We see what's going on. We know, we know it's the 50-pound elephant in the room, and we don't want to go there. We will walk around it. We will pretend. We will, we will, we will deny the reality of the situation because we, in those moments, have decided that it is better for me simply to avoid this hard truth. And so for truth avoiders, they deny reality and they pretend, and we've all done that. They just don't like the discomfort of dealing with reality. They're never vulnerable. We never become vulnerable. So it's hard to relate even though, even though the truth is right there before us. 
They live surrounded. These are the walls that are erected when you're a truth avoider. They live surrounded by the walls of pretension and inauthenticity. Have you ever been surrounded by those walls? Well, if you're a truth avoider, you're trapped in these walls of inauthenticity and pretension. And then there's a third way that we probably should handle the truth. And thankfully, on our best days, in our greatest moments, when God's spirit is moving, this is how we are. We are truth walkers, or we live and we walk in the truth. We have a fairly good grasp on reality from God's perspective, and we decide that, hey, we're going to live out this truth. We're going to walk in this truth. We're not going to pretend. We're not going to be inauthentic. Even if, it's, even if it's painful, even if it's going to be a struggle and it's going to cause a mess, we are going to walk in this truth. We speak it. We live it. We walk in it. And in doing that, in walking in the truth, God is glorified. God is glorified. Uh, if you look at 3 John chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this. 3 John chapter 4 describes the, 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 the beauty and the power of, how, of what it means to be one of these truth walkers. I have no greater joy, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are what? Walking in the truth. Walking in the truth. So truth walkers may find themselves imprisoned, though. Catch this. Truth walkers may find themselves imprisoned behind walls because of hypocrites and pretenders. Because you are a truth walker, guess what? You may catch the ire of those who are either truth tellers and are hypocrites or those who are truth avoiders and are pretenders. Because wherever there is truth, you're going to draw attention and for those who want to avoid or just simply to pretend, they're not going to be happy with you. They're not going to be happy with you. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that those who are willing to be truth walkers, those who deal rightly with the truth, that there's no struggle, that everything's okay. You ever been in a situation where you knew you were doing the right thing? You were honoring God in all that you were doing. You were being truthful. And all around you, people weren't particularly happy with it. But you said, hey, I'm going to stick with what God wants me to do. It wasn't, it wasn't the most pleasant experience all the way through, I'm quite sure. But we're going to take a look at Jeremiah. We just read from his story. We're going to take a look at Jeremiah and understand a bit more about his situation because it teaches us about what it means to be one of these people who walk in the truth. So Jeremiah was a prophet. His primary mission was to take the truth to God's people. The primary mission of any prophet is to have God reveal something to them uh, regarding his people. And then that prophet as he would be revealed truth within, go to the people and in no uncertain terms, all right? He wouldn't put any sugar on it. In no uncertain terms, whether it was good news or difficult news, he would share it with the people. Which again, very often meant that if you were, if you were a prophet, it was a lonely, often isolated sort of life to live. It was difficult. 
Because most of the time, we don't receive the people who want to tell us the truth very good. But Jeremiah is also one of these guys who struggled with that. Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet because in his ministry as a prophet, he felt the reality of the isolation. He felt, he only had a few friends, only had a few friends. He, um, he was branded a traitor. He was, um, he was a guy who wore his emotions on his sleeve. So he felt this. God, this, is, this is Jeremiah's life. God called Jeremiah. He said, look, what's coming during your day upon my people is so bad, I don't even want you to get married. Don't get married because if you get married, you're going to have kids. I don't want your kids raised in a doomed generation. Woo. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's the reality and the truth that Jeremiah had to deal with. So imagine if you're the guy who gets that revelation, gets that message from God. Look, your life is going to be spent telling people what they don't want to hear. In no uncertain terms, you just got to share it. And it's going to result in you not being liked. It's going to result in you being branded a trailer. It's going to result in all kinds of imprisonment and persecution on your life. And on top of that, get this, on top of that, Jeremiah's, um, Jeremiah's name, there's, you know, scholars talk about what his name means. They try to look at uh, what the author's names in the Bibles actually mean. And there's a little bit of, of, of discrepancy on this with, with Jeremiah. But, um, but basically what they're saying his name means is the Lord throws away. <laughs> How would you like to be called that? <laughs> the Lord throws away. And basically, I think this is my take on it. The idea behind the Lord throws away is that, is that God throws Jeremiah into a place where he wouldn't be popular, where he wouldn't be, where he wouldn't be celebrated, where it would be difficult and hard. But he had this great, he would have this great story and this great testimony of his faithfulness to God, that he was a guy who not only heard the truth and spoke the truth, but he lived the truth. And man, who, what better testimony to have? What better testimony to have than, than to be able to say that, yeah, I heard from God. I didn't necessarily like it. It wasn't always pleasant. And I struggled and I wept through it and I was depressed through it at times. And I shook my head and said, Lord, come on, why? What, what's up? Why me? But at the end of the day, even though I was surrounded by walls of, uh, put, there, put in place by people who didn't want to hear the truth and people who were pretending about the reality of the situation, I remained faithful to God. And he remained faithful to me. What a testimony. What a testimony. So this prophet of doom would take a message to God's people as they anticipate God's judgment upon them. And it wasn't pleasant. So they take action against the messenger. And they begin, to, they begin to come at him. And so that's what we read just a little bit earlier. Um, and so, so there, there are the truth avoiders and the hypocrites that are around him, the pretenders and the hypocrites around him. And so they conspire against him. And you got a weak king, a guy by the name of Zedekiah. He's not sure what to do with the truth either. He's just kind of one of these truth avoiders. And he allows Jeremiah to be thrown into this cistern. So a cistern in, in, in this particular time, it wasn't unusual, especially during a time of conflict and war for this cistern that was it was a container for water to be to to basically be empty but it was wet and so uh, the throwaway prophet gets thrown into this cistern 
and, and things are bad. And, and like we like to say in this, in this day and age, things got really deep really fast for him. And he was stuck in a very, very bad place. But here's the thing about those who live and walk in the truth. This is a, this is a cool thing about those who live and walk in the truth. When you live that way and you have integrity, you never step back away from honoring God, there will be those who will speak up for you. Because they will see something in you. They'll say, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know there are pretenders around. There are people who are avoiding what's going on here. But we see that, hey, he, this dude hasn't been afraid to call it like it is. We, th- this is the real dude. So that's what happens with Jeremiah. In, in this midst of a crisis, in this midst of, of just being sort of thrown and persecuted and imprisoned, there's one that speaks up for him and goes to Zedekiah and says, hey, I, I don't know what's going on here, but there are people who are conspiring against this guy. And this guy, all he's been doing is telling us what's really going down. We need to take him out of the place that you have him. And so if you're one of those who is willing to trust God and to live and walk in the truth, God will honor you and others will step up and speak on your behalf. And God will make you free. God will make you free. Now, the, the, reality, the reality is Jeremiah was as a as one who walks lives and walks in the truth jeremiah was already free that's the irony of the whole thing they tried to shut down jeremiah because he was coming along and telling them something that they didn't want to hear so they throw him in this place surrounded by walls as if to say that hey you're telling the truth we don't want to hear you you're making us discouraged you're making everybody uncomfortable with what you're saying so we're going to shut you up we're going to we're going to try and we're going to try and capture and imprison the truth and the truth teller and the irony of the whole situation is of all the people who were avoiding the truth pretending pretending and being hypocrites they were actually the ones imprisoned by fear. Jeremiah, though he was thrown into a cistern, was actually the one who was free. If the sun sets you free, then you are free indeed. Right? The Bible also talks about how the truth will set you free. So if you want to live free, don't be a hypocrite and don't pretend. But live and walk in the truth. Deal with reality as it is. Now, here's, here's the other thing that's really, really powerful. Um, in Jeremiah's case, yes, he was rescued. He was rescued from the cistern. He had somebody speak up from him, for him. He had an advocate. And they lifted him out. And he got free physically. Now, that's not always the case. There are those who have been faithful to to the truth uh, down through the ages of time, and they did not make it. But they lived and walked in the truth, and God will honor that. They were faithful to that. There's a story in the book of Daniel. You know it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. Um, They get thrown into the fiery furnace. What's powerful is to read their attitude about what happens to them when they live and walk in the truth. You know the story. They refused to bow down to the image. The king at the time said, hey, if you don't bow down to my image and worship me, I'm going to throw you into this hot, fiery pit. 
And this, is what, this was their add to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 3, verse 18. I'm going to skip the first part of it. I'll read the last part of it. But even if he does not, speaking of God, they say that God will deliver us, we know it, right? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18, listen to the attitude of those who live and walk in the truth. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Whatever happens to us, we will live and walk in the truth. What kind of freedom is that? Pretending won't bring you freedom. Being a hypocrite, telling the truth but not living the truth won't bring you freedom. The only way we experience freedom, the only way we find ourselves outside the walls placed around us, either by those who want to pretend and those who want to be hypocrites, or just the circumstances we find are in, the only way we are free is to live and to walk in the truth, to deal with the reality that is around us. So here's what I want you to do. This is what I want you to think about. Because there is a reality that very, there is a reality that many people are avoiding. There's a truth that people aren't sure they want to deal with. And that is the reality of the gospel. The reality of the gospel. They say to themselves, well, yeah, maybe there is a God. Maybe this Jesus thing is you know, is, is, is the real deal. And they sort of peek behind, out from behind the wall of pretending. And they're, they're, they're kind of wondering about this whole thing, but they haven't fully embraced the notion and decide to live in the truth and the reality of the fact that the gospel is true and that Jesus is real. And so I want to challenge you, especially if you find yourself in that place. And the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter where you grew up. You may, you may have grown up in the church. You may have gone through all our Sabbath schools and all of our schools, and you're still, you're still kind of pretending. You're still kind of going along with the charade of, oh, well, since I grew up in this thing, everybody already thinks I'm a follower and a one walking in the truth, so I must be okay. But you know that you're hiding. Then there are those of us who've probably been around the church for a while, and it's, it's true for all of us. There are different moments in our lives where we live these realities, right? But sometimes, um, sometimes we're sort of in this mode of, I, I'm going to tell the truth, but I'm going to live a different way. We, we kind of look like hypocrites. That's true for me. That's true for you. And so what I wanted to confront you with today is this idea, this idea that God invites us to deal with the reality of the gospel, to deal with the invitation to live and walk in the truth. And though it may put us in a compromising or difficult situation, he says, hey, says, hey, I will be with you. I will deliver you. And even if he doesn't, trust me, trust me. The gospel invites us to deal vigorously with reality. The gospel extends an invitation to anyone who wants to be a truth walker. So think about your life. 
Think about the walls that have been erected in your own experience. Think about whether or not you are dealing with reality honestly and vulnerably. Think about uh, if you've resisted the truth of the gospel, that there is a God, that he is in fact in love with you, that he has done uh, so much for you, that he's in fact saved you, that it is a free gift of grace. There's no way you can earn it. You can't stand behind the wall of performance and try to attain it. It's simply a gift of grace. Consider those truths and that truth and whether or not you're willing not to just be a truth teller, not to be a truth avoider, but to be one of those who walks, lives and walks in the truth and the reality of the gospel. Pray with me. Father God, thank you that we are challenged by the notion and called to be those who live and walk in the truth. And you are pleased with us when we do. So God, wherever we have denied, wherever we have pretended, wherever we have said one thing but not lived it out, may you call us to account. May you challenge us where we live not to hide behind pretension or inauthenticity. But may we be vulnerable to the gospel and as you lead us, Father, Will you deliver us from these places that we've put ourselves in? We thank you, Father. We thank you that you are faithful regardless of where we are. You are faithful, you are strong, and you will deliver in the same way you delivered Jeremiah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.